Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Bits followers, and welcome to the first episode of the spring 2024 season of the Farm Bits podcast. I'm Katie Bathke. And I'm Emily Hansen, and we're glad to have you with us as we begin our discussion on agriculture for space with Dr. Yufeng Ge from the Biological Systems Engineering Department at UNL. Could you introduce yourself, sharing your background up until where you are now? Yes. Hi, uh, my name is Yufeng Ge, and uh, I am a professor with the Biological Systems Engineering Department of UNL. And so my training and research is mainly in sensing and instrumentation for agricultural applications and uh, natural resources assessment, primarily soil. So I develop sensors. Examples are imaging sensors that uh, we would uh, take measurements of plants and crops in the field or in the greenhouses and to see if they are short of nitrogen or short of water and uh, being able to use that information to uh, form decisions for um, precision agricultural applications, right? And also another part of it is we are using these advanced sensing uh, techniques to uh, generate useful information for the researcher, uh, particularly the plant scientist, basic plant scientist, so that they can yeah, utilize that information and include that information in their discovery pipeline to either understand how plants perform under the stress environment at the genetic level and how to use that information to improve the crop from the genetic uh, understanding. That's awesome. So you talked a little bit about what your research was here at UNL and Season of Farm Bits is kind of breaking into how precision technologies can be used in space and um, to be space technologies. Can you kind of tell us how you became involved in advancing agricultural research for space? Yes. So if you think about, you know, a, a future like space environment, so imagine that we are on the surface of the moon or Mars, Okay, and then you think about, you know, we are uh, running tractors in the cornfield in Middle West. So the environment is actually have a lot of similarities in terms of, uh, you know, like the population density and the resources available for the production, like the, the label, right? So, so a lot of those are, are similar and uh, technologies, uh, things like auto monitoring uh, and uh, automation, uh, robotics is going to be uh, really important for the production here on Earth and also future uh, space agriculture. I'm gonna give you a few uh, examples, right? Hypothetical examples. For example here, now, if you wanted to know whether you got enough fertility in the soil, or if uh, plants get enough uh, nutrients from the soil, right? One way you can do is you're gonna go to the field and you can collect samples and then you send them to the lab for analysis, okay? And then you got the data and you know, oh, the plants are nitrogen deficient or water deficient, right? And then use that and you can form your uh, management decisions and uh, do a, a fertilization or irrigation uh, events. 
So now imagine that in the space, you're not going to be able to go send people to collect the samples. And there will be no lab infra infrastructure there whatsoever to be able to do the analysis for you, right? So therefore, we will have to a very high extent rely on things like, you know, you develop a sensor actually can, you know, maybe automatically tell us, you know, whether the, the plants are nitrogen deficient or water deficient and being able to form the decision. And the data can be, um, and again, you know, imagine that we are on the surface of the moon and Mars, right? So data is going to come back through telemetry to the base here on Earth. And then the researcher can look at them and then maybe they can uh, uh, form that management feedback uh, somehow through a teleoperation. So that's one example why technology is really important because everything has to be automated. So the human factor, you have to you know, almost take that out of the, uh, the loop because the human resource is number one uh, uh, limited resources in the space environment. And, uh, you know, I can give you another example if you wanted to. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so uh, labor, right? So in the space environment, you know, think about a, a future settlement we have. You know, we may have 100 people or we may have 200 people there. Now, mostly they're going to be doing scientific exploration. They are going to, they are going to be really busy in uh, a lot of other more mission critical things. Uh, like, you know, operating scientific uh, op uh, instruments and being able to communicate with the base on the earth uh, and many other things. But, you know, farming is probably the, the uh, pretty low in priority in terms of what they wanted to do, right? So therefore, you know, ideally, we would rely on the automation and uh, um, robotic ways to do the farming for them. So this is very much similar to, you know, what we talk a lot these days, uh, the, in terms of the, the labor shortage in here, on, here for farming, right? And then, you know, we'll have to rely on the technologies and automation uh, to, to do the day-to-day -day operation of the growing the plants and the crops for us. That's a lot to think about and, you know, being able to come up with automation to be able to do all of that so that you don't yeah. have to send people out be really cool. So can you yeah. tell us about the Space 2 program and what kinds of projects are going on currently with this and what kind of projects will be going on? Yeah, so this is really, so the idea come from, you know, some of the faculties come together. And so we think that uh, this is really the, 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 the next uh, frontier in science, right? The, neg uh, the next uh, uh, things that we wanted to extend the presence of the agriculture and the, uh, the humans on another planet. So we are, we have a, a UNL planning grant. It's a two-year uh, grant that for us to uh, come together and do planning activities, including, you know, things like that we do literature search to try to understand what is the the current state of the art in the area. You know, surprisingly, we have found out, um, you know, NASA has to think a lot about this, right? So they have done uh, research in of crops uh, in space for a long time, several decades already. And they accumulated a lot of the data and experience and the publications. Mm -hmm. so, so there's information out there already. 
but we also, you know, trying to engage with, uh, you know, other public universities who have already uh, show some uh, interest in the records in this area. And we also trying to engage with uh, USDA NIFA because they are the traditional funding agency of the agricultural research. And the industry play a pretty important role uh, in this area. You know, you probably heard of uh, SpaceX, right? That has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, business with NASA about sending the rockets to the space and they supply the ISS, International Space Station. So we are, so that a planning grant, we are trying to, you know, bring the, the major players and the stakeholders together so that we understand the, uh, the landscape in this area. And uh, we find out that, yes, so there's a lot of research already done in agriculture in space, but there's so many unknowns, right? So, so that's where, you know, I think that UNL can re really play a significant role uh, in this space because, you know, we are an agricultural institution and we're leading a lot of the research effort and education effort in agriculture. And we are we are agricultural states, right? It's corn and soybean are our thing. So therefore, you know, it is a very natural fit for the UNL to lead uh, the space agriculture initiative around the nation. So and that's sort of, uh, you know, the, the reason why we wanted to pursue space too. Now our uh, next uh, efforts is really so trying to land on a big grant, right? So that we can actually do the research program and the you know the education and the extension program that's awesome i love that you kind of bring up nebraska's involvement as well as unl's especially because we are such an agricultural state and it's a, a very far out futuristic view and kind of how to advance science i think that was a really cool perspective so can we talk a little bit about where you see some of the most important technologies coming into play for getting um, this research program going and kind of where you see it needs to be yeah, yeah. Well, so I can uh, give you maybe two examples. Perfect. One is the greenhouse technology. Okay, so here, so on Earth, that we, you know, we use greenhouses to essentially a lot of interest is locally grown food, right? And then, you know, urban farming, vertical farming, it's really big uh, that, um, you know, would uh, uh, get the productivity high and you are not really uh, limited to uh, the summer season. You can grow it all year around. And also, you know, you can reduce the transportation cost uh, for the food to get to the, the people, right? The, you know, who needs it. So uh, now on the sp in space, again, you know, think about the surface of the moon and the Mars. And the environment is really harsh. So the harshest environment you can even imagine, right? So the temperature is really low with a big variation and there is no, uh, it's not enough atmospheric pressure, okay? And then, so there are carbon dioxide in the Martian atmosphere. Uh, that's great for the plants, but there is no nitrogen, okay? So there's very low nitrogen and uh, other, like the water vapor, it's it's pretty low. So, um. Soils are toxic. So therefore, you know, there is no way that you can grow plants like here on earth that you expose the, to the external environment, right? So you have to protect it. So that brings us to, you know, the building of the structure of the greenhouse structure for the plants. And then, so with all kinds of challenges, that's worth uh, uh, research. 
So how can we provide artificial lighting, right? You know, it has to be solar panel, but how can we, you know, set up as efficient uh, solar panel stuff? And, uh, you know, we would like to see how can we use the marshing regolith or moon regolith to support. So regolith is a term uh, that we refer to as earth, uh, soil, but they don't have structure. So therefore they are called a regolith. They're more dusty material, right? But they are, so they, essentially they are deprived of organic matter. There's no organic matter in it. Uh, there's not enough nutrient. There's high salts and high pH. So therefore, if you drop the seeds in there, uh, it's uh, you know most likely we'll see a very low emergence rate compared to what we saw we see here with earth soil. Uh, so um, so therefore, you know there's a lot of things that we have to consider in order for us to build an efficient, sturdy greenhouse so that we can start to grow plants, right? And it would be eventually a sort of a interdisciplinary approach. Somebody has to think about the energy cost. Somebody have to think about, you know, the efficient use of the water and the nitrogen. Somebody have to think about it, like the material science and keep the greenhouse pressurized and all those. Okay, so that's the first uh, example. And the second example is that I'm going to talk about irrigation because irrigation is really important here in Nebraska. And uh, so we, you know, here on Earth, so the, when when we apply the water, what happens is Part of the water is going to go down, you know, kind of percolate out of the root zone, right? Part of it is going to be holding the soil matrix. That's the available water that a plant can use across the season. Okay, so and the, the amount of water that can be held in the soil has a lot to do with the infiltration rate and the particle size distribution, the small pores versus the larger pores, and organic matter content is going to play a role there too, right? So that, you know, and then the gravitation that, you know, kind of pour the water down that, you know, that's the part of the water that you lost. Uh, if you go to the surface of the moon and the Mars, so the, the, the gravity is different actually, okay? So on the Mars, so that's about like, you know, 37, 38% of the, the gravitation compared to earth. And on the moon, that's one sixth, so 17%. Uh, so therefore, you know, there has been simulation study being done that that's actually beneficial to water management if we had a farm on the moon or Mars, right? Because the so water can actually stay in the soil longer because the less gravitational pull, okay? But the the downside of the regolith is that they are pretty coarse in the uh, green size. So therefore, there aren't many small pores. There are, most of those are larger pores. So if you have larger pores, so the water is easy to flow through the matrix, right? And this, so therefore, they will tend to stay in the matrix less than on the on Earth. So you can see those two factors actually playing a, a contradictory role, right? So it's hard to say which one is going to play a more major role. So, but there again, you know, there are simulation studies saying that if you run a, uh, a, a field-based farming on, on the Mars, uh, so, you know, you are going, actually, you're going to save the water just because of, you know, the less water is going to be percolated. So that's a very interesting point, right? We never, you know, we never think about because gravity is one factor that has always been with us since the beginning of the evolution. Right. And then, you know, we, we cannot change it. 
that you're gonna go to when you go to Mars or the moon, that's gonna be a totally different environment. So those, but that's gonna be, you know, maybe there's someday when we look at, you know, how the water management is done on Mars and it might bring uh, innovative solutions mm -hmm. to earth, right? Because, you know, those are a test ground that uh, you cannot do here uh, on earth. Okay? That's really cool with, you know, water and everything and how it would move so much differently on yeah. Mars or the moon. I like your perspective where it's like, I think sometimes we're so focused on what we can learn about Mars, but what can that information show us? Mm -hmm. I think it's right. a hand in hand relationship that I don't think is near enough talked about. And I think that was really cool. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the adaptations that have been made to like grow food sources in potential space environments? Yeah, so uh, in terms of uh, adaptation, you know, you know, technology-wise, that uh, NASA, for example, have done you know quite a bit of uh, work already. There actually isn't any plants ever grow like beyond the International Space Station. Okay, so the best that we do, the best we know, is the experiment. Those experiments are being conducted on the ISS, right? And then you know, if you look at the experiment setup, they are in hydroponics, mm -hmm. and they are you know primarily looking at things like lettuce. Uh, you know, the microgreens, right, which can be made of uh, salads. And, uh, you know, there are some growth with wheat and uh, uh, rice, I believe. Uh, those, um, you know, the, the pro provide us with starch, the, the, the staple food type of thing. So, you know, there's, so people use technologies and they, you know, they try to monitor the environment of the growth chamber on the ISS and, you know, trying to, basically understand how production in that space environment, you know, particularly the reduced zero gravity actually on ISS and, uh, um, you know, the in, uh, improved radiation environment. Uh, because on Earth, we have magnetic field that's essentially filled out most of the harmful radiation, which, you know, in the ISS, you will have some but if you fly, if you in the flight to the Mars, you know, you're going to have a lot of those. And, you know, whether the plants under the prolonged radiation, is that going to change their genetic makeup? Uh, you know, cause like, you know, because we know that those radiation are carcinogenic for the human, right? For the uh, animals. Uh, we don't know. It, it, it seems like plants are pretty hardy mm -hmm. in terms of that. But, you know, there's also evidence that it does kind of alter the, you know, some of the genetic uh, makeup of the plants. And we're just curious, does UNL have any involvement in some of that space of kind of like how to grow the food? What are we looking at? Yeah, good question. That's what we are, the space two to, are trying to make that happen. So if you look at like a public universities, the research institutions, right? You know, they do. So NASA usually contract like NASA can't do everything, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they usually, if there is a space flight uh, opportunity, right? And then they usually would, uh, you know, look for the collaborators. So if there's a particular area that you are doing really good, then, then NASA is going to find you and, you know, invite you to participate in some sort of uh, experiments with them on the ISS or on the, you know, some sort of orbiting platform on the moon and Mars later on. So that's what we are exactly what we are trying to uh, do realize in this you know space two framework is we wanted to do research well at the beginning here and uh, we hope that we can you know get uh, 
excellent research ongoing, and we can publish that results, right? And we can get on the radar of NASA. And someday they're gonna come to us and say, oh, we know that you guys are doing, you know, outstanding, for example, uh, water management research mm -hmm. uh, in Nebraska, right? And we have this water management challenge uh, on the ISS and we want you to be part of it and provide solutions to the problem we have. So that is that is really our vision. So, but we have to kind of, you know, have experience and uh, and get a lot of research uh, ongoing first. Absolutely. Okay, I was wondering kind of how that worked and kind of where UNL was at in that movement. Another thing I noticed is logistically, when we anticipate having all of these essentials for growing food, we talk about the soil, we talk about water, we talk about nutrients and lighting conditions, temperature, all of that. Can you explain to us a little bit of how you're anticipating technology to help with the connectivity of all that? Um, especially on Earth, we're very fortunate that we like we have the soil, we have the water, we have this, and it's all across the landscape. Whereas space, it would really be more in one environment and kind of a very controlled environment. Yes, so you are absolutely right. So, you know, that's, uh, it, it really is very, very challenging and it takes a sort of a systematic point of view, right? So somebody, you know, at the very top has to have come up with sort of like a grand design, what this is gonna look like. But then, you know, if you look at, you know, you, you break that up into subsystems, then we have to talk, you know, we have to think about air. Right? We have to think about water. We have to think about the soil. We have to think about the plant adaptation, you know, the genetic makeup of the plants. And we have to think about management and uh, technology. You know, a lot of the precision agricultural technologies, monitoring, automation, and robotics, you know, and data science and AI these days is going to play a really key role in all these as well. Now, at, at, on the top of it, you have to think about like the energy budget of the system, right? You know, every time that you add electronics to the system, right? You consume, you take some energy out of that system. So therefore, you know, uh, that's that's really a, a system of systems design. And, uh, you know, it's uh, scientists from many different disciplines has to come together and uh, sort of to to design what does it look like awesome yeah a very systematic approach i think that's a very key aspect it's just things you don't have to think about on an earth atmosphere like we don't have to worry about air and we correct can... yes that is because you know plants has been here for millions of years right <laughs> so the evolutionarily they are adapted to this environment already yeah. and as they are develop the mechanism already that's a common threats they're gonna have right it's already built up in their genetic mechanism but, you know, when you get to a completely different environment, then, you know, they have to do, you know, maybe there will be opportunities, right? They will adapt and they will be able to come up with new ways to, you know, deal with that not so friendly environment. However, though, you know, we can't wait for millions of years for them <laughs> to evolve again, right? Makes sense? Yes. So therefore, you know, that's the reason why, you know, technology really is going to play an important role here is, you know, gene editing, for example, right? And yeah. then, uh, you know, transformation so that we can help to accelerate that type of, uh, you know, plant adaptation to a different environment, to a different soil. That's such a great point to bring up too, as well as we spent so many years studying things from, from the earth's perspective. And now we're at a right. time where technology is, is such a key role, especially in agriculture. And we're really working towards that. 
So it seems right. like a really unique opportunity for like two very different systems to kind of collide here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other part of our team really is, you know, we, so, you know, one of the, the, the great ideas that always in the back of our mind is, you know, we, we try to, you know, move to the space, but, you know, we also try to address climate change. If climate change happens really quickly, you know, in the framework of not thousands of years, not hundred years, but in decades, yeah, right? Can we can we respond fast enough? Can agriculture transform fast enough to adapt to it? That's number one. But the second is can agriculture play a role to mitigate that, right? It's to counteract that that effects. So you know, th so that therefore, you know, I think space really uh, provide a good test bed for us to you know discover those good technologies you know the the technologies that it's kind of e not easy to uh, come up with on the earth environment so that we can kind of bring those back and then actually address the the climate change problem right you know because you know coldness very hot environment and uh, you know huge variation of the temperature and the you know extreme weather uh, events we have seen all those already, right? But we only have decades to address those problems. We can't wait for hundreds of years or the millennium to do that. And I think that's the beauty of you know some of the you know get get this to the space and to see what agriculture would look like in that in those environment, and that would bring a lot of insights back to the earth to address climate change. That's awesome. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Never thought of it like that. Yeah, I guess seeing how you could get something to react in space, if it works out well, you know, adapt yeah. it to work here on Earth yeah. to help mm -hmm. mitigate some of that. What do you think will be one of the biggest challenges moving forward with agriculture in space? Well, that's that's hard to say, you know, <laughs> like from, from my perspective, I'm an engineer, right? So therefore, you know, I kind of naturally tend to looking at these technologies, right? So therefore... You know, I will say, you know, develop that plant-based uh, life support system for the early settlers and the astronauts would be, you know, absolutely the number one technology we have to develop. So, you know, you have to think about it is really resource intent, it's, re it's very resource restricted and it is, um, you know, um, sort of you have to almost develop a system that's so efficient such that you are not losing anything, right? Everything can be circulated, everything can be reused, but you know, but you are at a very restricted area mm -hmm. space, right? So, so I think that's that's really uh, challenging to do. You know, keep in mind we are not going to bring animals with us yet. Uh, you know, there, someday we 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 would like to see, right? So you know, bring a bring a pets with us. Uh, you know, right now there's no discussion on the pets yet uh so you know plants only um and uh so i'm also thinking about the technology right you know we have to bring all the technology with us right you know robotic assistance uh you know ai sort of uh, uh powered uh uh what is it like you know it's not a chatbot but you know you can ask ai questions right you know you you you, you have a problem like why well, can't i address it and ask the AI, hopefully I can, you know, provide assistance and uh, answers for that emergent situation. You know, those kind of thing, I think, you know, yeah. So there is not, to me, there's not really one technology that's outstanding, one thing that's outstanding that is, but it's all, all of them are important and all of, all of them has to be advanced to a certain extent so that all these are possible. Mm -hmm. 
That's excellent. That's an excellent point as well as there's not one important thing. It really is going to be a whole system and it's got to be such an efficient system that it's going to go and you have confidence that it's going to work because it has to. And to be able Correct. to run on its own. You can bring some food uh, with you, <laughs> right? And uh, in, ho- in the hope that in two or three years, uh, they are going to be stable and uh, not go bad. Right. But, you know, we also know that, you know, things like vitamin in the food, they are easy to degrade. Mm-hmm. Right. So therefore, you know, and there's, there has been always you know, concerns about, well, you know, we, we do need to. And that's the reason why we uh, need to green the grow, like things like microgreens, like lettuce along the way, tomatoes, and just to provide those supplemental nutrients that the human needs to function. Absolutely. Excellent point as well. What are you most looking forward to in the future of research with agriculture and space? Yeah, well, to me, it's going to be the uh, technology, right? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm an instrumentation and a sensing person. You know, I'm doing some research in robotics and automation as well, right? So, you know, what really excites me is that, you know, let's say someday we have most of the technology ready already to get us to, you know, establish a settlement on the surface of Mars, right? Now, before the first settler ever reach the surface there, we should already have robotic operation of the plant growing started before they go, right? So that when they reach that point on the, set, on the settlement, they can already harvest the first crop and it starts to not worrying about oh, shoot, I don't have things to eat yet, right? Now, how to make that happen? Well, so we need to, you know, way before the first settler come, we have to have cargoes of the robots, sensors, and everything go there first, right? And they are sort of self-deploying, and the robots can, you know, take the seeds out and then, you know, put them on the ground, and it starts to grow, and then we have sensors established, and we can see how this, how the crop grow on the surface already. And then those images or those data is gonna be telemetry to the earth. And we look at them, right? And we say, oh, they are growing. Or they, oh no, they're not really emerging. We have to regrow on all those things, right? Or they're gonna show the deficiency or there's a potential crop failure. And then, you know, we need to replant those kind of thing. But it's all, you know, happening on another planet, but the communication makes it possible and you can actually see it. And then you can, you know, operate the robots just like we operate here, but it's a teleoperation, right? Some plants need to have a care. If you need to, you know, apply some nitrogen and you can operate the, uh, you know, the robots or drones to, to do that for you, right? And then, you know, after the operation of, um, you know, 90 days, uh, typical corn growing season, right? And then, you know, you, you say, okay, it's ready, but at the same time, you know, you have rockets ready to get a set, send the people there, right? And when by the time they are landing, crops are mature, ready to harvest, ready to be consumed. So that really excites me. That's awesome. I love that. I like the autonomous part. I like the robotic part. And I like the very systematic vision of it. That's really cool. If our listeners want to learn more about the work that you're doing, where can they find that information? Yeah, so we do have a, a website through, you know, the UNLBSC department. So that's a space too. So we put a lot of information out there. But, you know, we also hope that we'll be able to, you know, do research and uh, put out publications, right? So that's uh, so that, you know, uh, and popular articles, 
the audience can start to see what our progress are. That's awesome. And then is there anything we didn't talk about today that you might want to add or share with our listeners? You know, I, I think this is just uh, so exciting to all of us. And, uh, you know, if you think carefully, right, it is tremendously challenging. But I do think that, you know, there's a lot of technology advancement already here on Earth that, you know, we, we're going to further develop. And, you know, along the way, we'll have new technologies we have new, you know, new varieties come out that would, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, uh, in the next uh, 30 to 40 years, I do believe that's possible that we are, we are able to have the first acre of corn or soybean on the surface of the moon or Mars by University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Okay. So, okay. you know, for our audience in Nebraska, right, so you know, I would put out an invite that for any now uh, young kids, okay, nine year or 10 year old, 35 or 40 years later, would you like to plant a corn on Mars? Okay. Maybe go there by yourself or teleoperate it here from your home. That's so fun. So we have a tradition here on the Farm Bits podcast, and it's to ask our guests for a piece of advice. So what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in the future of agriculture and space? Yeah, well, so, you know, get get engaged. You know, I think uh, it's, uh, um, you know, all the basis all the, for, for that is, is going to happen here on Earth, right? So before uh, any technologies, we, we touch about it, right? So reliability and robustness is probably the number one thing. If we have to put in a you know, safe, safety factor for anything that's flown in space, it's going to be a fact, you know, safety factor of 10, right? So, so that, so therefore, you know, I think there's a lot of engagement opportunities that here. You know, we're probably gonna uh, build a ground analog facility here, so that you know it somehow mimics the space environment, and that would also provide a test ground for some of the technologies that we are uh, we we will build. Right. So those are come along the way. You know, we hope that uh, we can get uh, uh, research funding to do some of those work and uh, audience, so please stay tuned, right? And then, you know, if you see some sort of like a simulated uh, Martian crop production base here somewhere in Nebraska, uh, don't be surprised, that's us. Thank you very much to Dr. Yufeng Gov for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. It's really exciting to hear his perspective and initiative for advancing the agricultural sciences for the space environment. One of my favorite parts of this episode is the interdisciplinary systems that are currently in the works to advance the agricultural sciences for growing food in space. I agree. And my favorite part of this episode was how technology will play a role in combating the extreme environments in space. I hope you enjoyed that episode, and we look forward to sharing another digital ag story with you next week on FarmBits.
Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review sections of your favorite podcast platforms. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.